0: Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. What does a chef, and entrepreneur, and a festival co-founder have in common? Well, with my guest today, Jeremy Gothrop, they're all one person. All this and more on today's episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas.
1: It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas
0: Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I've got a special guest for you today. I hoodwinked this gentleman to convince him to meet with me, and he had his handlers connect with me and work out an opportunity for me to come to his office. I'm being funny about that, but he did have some people that represent him that also represent another individual that we're going to have here on the podcast. So it kind of worked out nicely, and I'm able to sit down with None other than Mr. Jeremy Gothrop. And Jeremy is, he was the co owner of the Greenhouse Grill. He is the co owner of Woodstone Pizzeria, which has a location downtown here in Fayetteville, as well as uptown. You know, they say uptown, it's like two miles away, but it's uptown nonetheless. And he's also the co producer of the Fayetteville Roots Festival. And Jeremy, we're so excited to be with you today. Thank you so much for having the podcast over to sit down and talk with you.
2: Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your background and your history and your superhero origin story. I know that you are a, a local, you're an NWA native, is that correct? You're from Bella Vista and went to Bentonville High School, but tell me a little bit about you. Sure, thanks. I started
2: life in Indiana. Oh. And then the Yankee in me transplanted to New Orleans. <laughs> And so, bouncing north to south, we ended up here in the middle. And yes, I did. I finished high school in Bentonville, not the Bentonville we see today. Right. The Bentonville of the 90s, yes. which was very different. Smaller. Smaller. And then I came to Fayetteville to go to the University of Arkansas and studied advertising and public relations. And then, right about the end of college, I decided I needed to hit the road and go see the world. So that's what we did and went to lots of music festivals and camping and natural parks and national parks. And, did a lot of touring and traveling. And along the way, started needing money to pay for those trips. So started selling food in the parking lots and at the at Red Rocks and in the campgrounds. And I had a little bit of culinary and chefiness coming from going to college and paying for my college with waiting tables, like also many people. And then also the chefs pulling me into the kitchen, like, hey, we need extra help. And right. you can you're tall. I don't know why they chose me. Anyway. I found this little love affair with the creativity, the food, I like to eat, I like the food. So I didn't go to culinary school. This was just a like, this was imparted upon me, forced by some chefs just like, get in here, wash the dishes, make the salad. So lo and behold, I'm on the road and I start cooking food for and paying for the travels. And before long, it was, I guess it led into this being a personal catering business that I was doing, private chefing, and then hitting the road when we did from traveling from festivals back and forth, my business partner with the restaurants currently, back when we had Monoak children, decided like we should be throwing these festivals. So we did develop this festival that was local around here called the Great Unknown, years and years ago. and years and years, many moon. And it was, you know, this field festival, camping, eats, national touring acts, and, and it went for about four years, and we were, were not winning. The money race with that one at all. <laughs> and we, we decided, hey, let's open a restaurant. There's hundreds of dollars of a year in, in running restaurants. So, we opened a little greenhouse grill down here on Archibald Yale, which led to transferring it, which led to a Woodstone. And amongst having the greenhouse grill, we did music programming there. And my partner here, Brian, at the Roots Festival, we were friends. He was playing in the restaurant. Actually, we would pull a table out of the restaurant, the little one. From our 11 tables, we'd go to 10 <laughs> and we'd brought in his band, with his wife, their nine month old baby strapped behind her while she's playing bass. And we're just like, I just wanted music there, even in this little space. Yeah. So when we transferred to the big restaurant, we built in some stage space to have fundraisers, to host concerts, to have week music, you know, jazz and weekend brunch music and this and that. And Brian's like, let's do a little festival here on a Sunday during brunch and we'll do an evening show and it's ticketed and we'll do a little thing. I was like, yeah, let's do that. So we did the thing. We blew a water main after brunch, so we closed down, and the event went to Georgia's. That's the history. Ten years ago, this August. That's how it kind of the incarnation of Roots Festival started at the little restaurant. With I don't have many acts. Probably a poster in here somewhere yeah. of that. Yeah, that one of that event. And from that, we I think cut our teeth, and people were excited. And even just for the 150 or 200 that were there, like the town needs this. We need to have more of this kind of programming and heart mindful like activities here. So the next year we took it to the Walton Arts Center, which is a big leap from my dining room to the <laughs> to the Walton Arts Center. And it was a one day event. And then it was two day events. And then we were doing an opening reception at the Garner's house where there was a farm to table dinner and music, and then a couple nights at the Walton Arts Center. So it continued to grow until now, 10 years later, I believe that it's, this is hard to say, but in full fruition of what we had dreamed it might have been, which is a multi-city, multi-venue, food and music on like equal platforms as far as the grandeur of the presentations, the national talent, the amount of programming, the budget spent in those two departments. It's a big story to tell, and we'll try to tip on that today. But it's now, it has, it's in an urban environment. It's still a boutique event where there's never more than 1500 people at any event. So you're not in the field festival with 30,000 or in an urban environment in some giant concrete jungle with just thousands of people. Each one has a curated boutique intimate feel. And from the main stage of the music, it's kind of like a giant house concert. It's quiet in the room. You can hear things very well and you're so close. There's not a bad seat in the house. If you're at a tasting event, you're only feet from this national chef. You can talk to them. You've seen this guy on TV and you're like, what are we eating today, chef? And there they are. It's not like some laundry or some super long line that you can't, you just get there and you just move on or you can't even see him in the back. I mean, he's feet from you or she is. And you have this intimate opportunity. So that's why we call this event an intimate urban festival. An urban fest can take lots of forms from South by Southwest to large events that are scattered across the town. So it is, it ends up being a big story. And I do encourage people to, well, pay attention to the website. You have to do a little research. Because you're just not going to one spot. Here's my money. There's my wristband. I'm in. Right. While that exists, it's it's all over. We have over like twelve to fourteen venues.
0: So yeah, you almost have to game plan it to kind of figure out what you're going to do each day. There's always something new to do. I mean, you before we started recording, you shared just a kind of a glimpse of your schedule of the logistical aspect of what this is going to take to pull this event off and you know, I think it's going to be interesting, but obviously you guys have been doing this successfully for a number of years and you have been able to use the backdrop of Northwest Arkansas as the canvas for this event. I mean, it's, I'm sure, and I don't know that I've read some articles from the founders of South by Southwest, and I don't know that they had ever intended it to be what it became. And you look at Austin now and Austin's just crazy. And honestly, that's one of the contributing factors to the explosive growth of Austin. And we've got a lot of people moving here to Northwest Arkansas. One of the reasons why I created this podcast in the first place was just to kind of let people know that this is not your daddy's Arkansas. This is is a different place. And, And again, these are all the things that I wanted to know before I moved here five years ago. Had no idea, didn't know anything about the Roots Festival, didn't know anything about half of the stuff that's going on here. But I certainly applaud you guys for you know, stepping out. And I think that, you know, there's an even greater story to tell here that sometimes, you know, you can stumble upon some real success. And it sounds like you guys have been able to do that with this event. Why don't we just back up a little bit? Because I'd I'd love to, there's a number of things I've kind of put down in my notes that I'd like to talk about. And just real quickly, and I read about this, you chose fish over French. Is that correct? Ah, fish the band. Yes. Yes.
2: And yes, I love some fish. Um. (laughs) Yes. So essentially. Yeah. I have one, I'm one of those people with one class between me and the college, you know, diploma. Yeah. And that was in the year 2000. So it's obviously not bothered me.
0: Right. And, yeah, and, but, and, and let me say <laughs> yeah. something, just to put this out here, because I didn't want you to think I brought that up to make highlight okay. of it. But I, we had another guest on the podcast recently, Bert Hanna from Hanna's Candles. I mean, multi-million dollar company he created he was nine hours short of graduating from the U of A and was sitting in an accounting class. And his teacher asked him some kind of question. He was like, I would just ask my accountant that. And that was his response. And at that point he realized, you know, maybe I need to just go ahead and step out and do what I'm doing. And you almost, it's kind of comparable to what you, the decision that you made, you went on tour with fish that opened up other doors for you and avenues. And you got a chance to see the world, I would imagine. And so that just kind of expanded your whole thought process. It's funny, you should. That was an interesting comparison.
2: My final class, when I had that aha moment, was I don't even know what the class was called, but it was where you were developing your senior thesis, your big show that you jumped through all the hoops. Mm-hmm. And what I was developing was this company called Professional Party Planners. And I remember I was using like these really lame graphics that were available then. It's right. so like Microsoft DOS, you know, I had to move dots around. So, I had this little logo and things, but the the ethos of the project was hire me and I will come and I'll bring food and musicians and I'll bring infrastructure and I'll help you promote, I'll help you do a thing that I didn't even know that I would ever really circulate back to. (laughs) I wish I had this probably large font paper that I stretched to accomplish the grade (laughs) where I touched on these things and to see what 22-year-old me was thinking about this thing now that I do. Right. So it's pretty funny. So yeah, at that point, I think I realized like, I think I've got it. I'm good. I don't need French four, but I do need some fish. So
0: you went on the road with fish. <laughs> they were one of them. for sure. They were one of them. Yeah. But you had actually gotten, you kind of dabbled, like you said, you cut your teeth in the restaurant early on. Were you, you were working with, there was a chef that pulled you into the kitchen. That was, were you still in high school when that happened? No, I was in, I was going to NWAC.
2: Okay. North Community college. Okay. And it was Blackboard's. Okay. Cafe. Yep. Yep. In Bella Vista. Okay. And- Are they still around? The chef is, but the restaurant's not. Okay. All right. And in that day and age, the culinary scene in Northwest Arkansas was that institution, establishment, and James at the Mill, Mm -hmm. and a few other just kind of homegrown things. But there wasn't the scene we see today, obviously, as you can all imagine. But ultimately, so I felt special to get a job there as a 21-year-old because you could make some really good coin being a server. And it was serving, you know, expensive food for the day and still, you know, and it it holds its own in the history, the culinary history of of Northwest Arkansas. But yes, I was serving and we were short in the kitchen and Randy's like, get in here, which was a better place to be because as a server, you get yelled at a lot. And as a kitchen guy, you're kind of one of the bros. (laughs) Get a little pass. (laughs) And then and you got, you know, beer after the shift. So, but yes, just the working, processing the tickets, the stress. I mean- instantly finding what the addiction is to kitchen and back of house life. Yeah. You I was seeing it and feeling it. And then the then the creativity. And then like, we'll come up with a special. And then getting out on your own, once you basically had the those skills in the tool bag. And there's no culinary degree, but it was a crash course. Yeah. It was Cliff Note. And it was if you have the creativity already in you, maybe you can do this on your own. And then I started putting myself out there for events, for you know, my mom being like hooking me up with her friends to do their Christmas event for you know, 60, 70 people, which was great money as a single person. But then the more you put yourself out there, it's like the stress test and the stretching. And before long, you're like, I've done that. I've got more tools in the tool bag. And then before long, it was thousands of people. And then before long, it was like a restaurant yeah. and catering and weddings. And I'm retired from catering these days. After hundreds of weddings and events, I now just use those powers for other goods.
0: Well, I like that. I read you had made a comment about the fact that again you're not classically trained, but that you don't have a fear of trying new things and just you know getting out there and getting in the kitchen and improvising and doing that. I know that that I like improvising myself when it comes not necessarily to cooking because I can cook, but but when it just comes to talking and interacting with people, I, I feel like I can walk into any room and just shoot the stuff with anyone. But I would always fear that if I was cooking, that I, man, if what if I just put the wrong spice or the wrong, you know, seasoning in something and then just totally screw everything up? How did you deal with that? We just absolutely <coughs> screw up sometimes, you know, and you learn from it.
2: I yeah. mean, this is life. This is how we learn everything is usually by mistakes. You don't crush things your first time. Right. I mean, really. And if you did, you didn't learn anything. You'll probably mess up eventually. So I think it's just the it is a a fearlessness to just try and. Also then to be okay with failure and just kind of lean into it. I don't want to do it every time, <laughs> Yeah, the right. failure part. exactly. But yeah, just being okay with that. And I even try and instill that in the kids, you know, of mine, that it's like, it's okay. It's not even about the spilled milk. It's just like, you got to put yourself out there. You'll never know until you do. And after years of, I think, yeah, sometimes hitting the bottom, you know, you mentioned the superhero story. It's awesome. Amongst that, like the first day we were open which this is a serendipitous twist. The first day we were open at the greenhouse, our very first table was a 22 top of local citizens. And it happened to be the Arcegas family coming in with their daughter who just graduated from law school and which was pressure because of course I'm like, oh, I mean some local and now you're, you're opening yourself up, you're putting yourself out there and who's coming in? Well, they are, the mayor and business people and all of these people. So they were the first table serendipitously, many years later, the Arcegas family is who we sold the greenhouse to recently and they're rebranding and reopening our building down there, right. which is probably editable.
0: <laughs> but anyway,
2: that fearlessness and we, I put myself out there when we first opened the greenhouse. Not only did I put myself out there, but I lived in the restaurant. like right. I was homeless. I lived there or home free as some people would put it. Mm-hmm. For six months that we were open, it was everything. Every hour of my life, I slept under tables eight and nine. If you've eaten there before, and I apologize, there there was a man sleeping below that table. <laughs> the floor was warm. So anyway, all in. So when you're all in, you just kind of have to be fearless because if, if you flop here, we are all out, and then that's no good. So it's kind of like it, it was all on the line.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You say that I, I sat down with an individual that we had dinner the other night, and you know, he was talking about the greenhouse grill and how much he missed it. And, you know, he said to me, he said, man, that place, the food was just amazing. And I have to say that for all the times that I had visited Woodstone down there and down there being right there, almost down at the bottom by MLK where the corner where across from the CVS and I don't know if that's South College or whatever. Middle district. Yeah. Middle district, whatever you want to call it. But I had visited Woodstone there several times and I never made it to the greenhouse grill. And I'm really sorry to say that, but and then I felt really bad when my friend was like, Man, the food there was amazing. Well, He's, thanks, mean, friend. Uh um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he just he said he had a lot of really good things to say about it. I'm sure there are others. I've actually heard a few other people say, Man, they missed that place. And so, you know, is it hard to let go of something? Especially this was kind of like your baby. Was, yeah. was it hard to do that?
2: I think having real babies can help you put things in perspective. Exactly. And providing for them. So no, I, I think that while it was great. And I appreciate the positive things and people, you know, having fond memories of it. Things come to an end. And I would rather, I think Jimi Hendrix said something, let me just butcher this quote, but not even going to try that quote. It's better to run something not into the ground, right? but it ran its course and we needed to do other things. So do I miss it? Yes and no. The stress, no. Being creative in the kitchen, yes, sometimes. But the community that came there for that and what it was in the community, you can't replace that. Something else will have to step into its spot. So it opened lots of doors and it was really awesome for when it was there. It opened, you know, it was a place to explore culinary and to host fundraisers for people and just to be that thing in the community. We did a lot of farm to table, you know, sourcing and local farm support. So I think over those years, you know, in the restaurant business, it's not like you're, I mean, you're making pennies on the dollar so what else does it do well it is that it's a place to commune it's a place to kind of support your community with well the local beers we serve and that local pork and those shiitake mushrooms or whatever it be cuz you got to buy those somewhere so yeah. here we are you can be more than just a place that's serving this food you can help support local farms and local breweries and you can be a place to host an event and a place where you go with your family and create memories that's such an interesting there's not many businesses That I can think of that are all of those things. Right. You know, I mean, I know there's more if we really crack our brains, but ultimately, it's (coughs) restaurants are, you know, institutions like that in communities,
0: we'll call it some, are part of the fabric. Yeah. Gathering places, if you will. So, no, that's perfect. And I saw, I was reading somewhere where you had a really interesting take on the whole farm to table movement because sometimes that language is used very loosely. And when you started, like, kind of laying out what farm to table meant, it's not this idea that you know you roll up to some guy's farm in the morning and pick up all his stuff and then bring it down and cook it all, because that's almost impossible to do. I mean, there you have to get some other items from different places. Some things are not going to be able to be locally sourced, and every restaurant deals with this. But tell me, as far as you're concerned, what do you feel like farm-to-table means?
2: Today? Yeah. In this day and age? Yeah. I think, it, I mean, ultimately, it probably still means the same things it did when we started. My mantra with that was we took the farm to table and a sustainable approach. So it wasn't just local, but it was trying to find clean food. And if that clean food came from Kansas or California, that's still counted and wanted, I wanted to serve that. I think, yes, farm to table has been bastardized over time and the greenwashing. So what it means... Is to care about the local community and to put it first. Yeah. And to, when you're thinking about products that you're going to put on your menu, caring about what's, what options are there and knowing these people and knowing that they're not just being like strawberries come from California and Mexico. Like, well, for a little slice of the year, they come from here, right right down the road. And they're amazing. So you have to know and you have to like, you have to try and you have to want it. It's not that you just wait for them to come in your door. So when we first started, I feel like there wasn't many restaurants doing this, even though we were looking at it as like in our travels, like finding it in San Francisco and Boulder and Austin, everywhere, had this movement happening. It was nothing new. We were just like basically sitting around the table one day, like, why isn't there a place that we can go get just the local chicken breast on a sandwich? Yeah, with some kind of interesting mayo. <laughs> you know yeah, Where's exactly. that <laughs> Maybe on a bun that was made at one of the bakeries, I mean, where does that bring those things together? So not to downplay it, but it seemed like a simple thing, boy, did we figure out that it's not, that it takes a lot of logistics. And instead of getting one or two trucks rolling in and bringing all your stuff in, we our inventory list of people would be, you know, 25 contacts, phone calls, and farmers rolling in the back door after the farmer's market, can you use the rest of these zucchini? You know, like, uh, yes or no, and figuring those things out. So you had to kind of improv. And that was the nature, I think, of greenhouse a lot of the time was rotating menu and keeping things fresh, and it's like Saturday night specials would be. Well, we we'll walked in the door earlier after the market, you know, yeah. and try and put something together. So when you get back to like the the cooking trials, we had lots of chances of like well, we got zucchini, napa cabbage, those tomatoes. Those tomatoes are ugly. Better make a sauce out of those, you know. You just start right. building things out because you don't want to waste your money. And it was hyper fresh.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, and to me, I mean, I know, and there's a number of restaurants that. Esteem to be at that level in terms of offering you the freshest of the fresh items, and you mentioned earlier about the farmers market. And I mean, there's a lot of good stuff around here, and I don't think people realize. I mean, this is a this is still a, a fairly agrarian economy here in Arkansas, and there's a lot. Like, I didn't realize the I think the number two we're the number two farm raiser of catfish. I mean, that's partially a, some type of agrarian a, part mm-hmm. of the society, and then we're also number one for rice. Which is why the issues that we were having with China created a real problem for the people down in the southern part of the state. But I just think there's, you know, there's a lot. I mean, Arkansas has so much to offer. And that's why I think a lot of times when you hear that it being called the natural state, it does meet that moniker that it's been given, you know. And yeah, we think normally we think of diamonds, but there's so many other diamonds that make the state so great. So,
2: yeah, I would agree that that's been put up on a pedestal not in like prominence because there's nothing always so glamorous about farming it's very very hard maybe the hardest but ultimately with the diversity of product and then this booming culinary scene here there's a demand for more diverse products yeah so now we have not just eggplant but we've got white eggplants and we've got the striped ones you know so for instance now there's like this diversity in farmers farming techniques where they'll provide and this spans from Fayetteville to Bentonville and everywhere around. So it's not like come to one. It's happening. You can come here and create a farm. You yeah. can do you can enter the scene. And now we have specific mushrooms and different protein farmers. And then what I hear and we'll see the online of, you know, aquatic agriculture right. and with you know the development of things because there's enough people to support it. So back to what does farm to table mean? It doesn't mean anything Unless we buy it, right? It does. It's basically just a buzzword, and I don't know if it is anymore <laughs> a buzzword. And if you don't buy that item on the menu, or care, or support it, and go, then there isn't one.
0: Yeah. Well, so tell me this: as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, and you've had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas. What do you think about the the whole entrepreneurial scene here in Northwest Arkansas? And obviously, you are you're cutting your teeth in it fully. You've, mm-hmm. You're fully involved in. You've gone from running restaurants, which you still do, to putting on huge events. What does that say about this area of the country specifically about Northwest Arkansas and your ability to kind of pull off what you're doing on a regular basis? And being that
2: you're talking about how Northwest Arkansas is for either those here or those outside of the borders of Northwest Arkansas that are listening to this and how it's not, it's not maybe what you think. Right. And, or, and sometimes it's not what you read either. Because while we get lots of accolades here as top of this and this is booming and best place to move to if you have a family and a dog, you know, or whatever, and a canoe, those are all great and very flattering. But ultimately, what I tell people about Northwest Arkansas and when I think about why am I here, (laughs) but ultimately, I couldn't have done what I've done in a big city or a giant metro. I didn't have the deep resources, the deep pockets, a college degree, (laughs) one, one class shy. I didn't have a lot of the things, but here, if you have the entrepreneurial spirit, the drive, and patience, and fearlessness, I and mean, all the parts of it being a risk taker, you can do it here. It is a growing, embracing community. And if you will step into the ring and are willing to put yourself out there, you can do that here. And I don't know if that's true, be- well, because I've never tried it anywhere else, but from this festival, if you were in a, a big metro trying to like compete with The big corporate fest and this and that—it would take a long time, and or just never even get off the ground. And the same with the restaurant game—just rent alone, let alone the food costs and finding the team and the competition of being a place and not being a a trained chef or having really awesome interior and a bar program and all these things. We were just kind of, you know, faking it till you make it, and just putting ourselves out there to do it. So I think that it's one—it's thriving, and we all know that. Yeah. Two, there's still lots and lots of room. For new things. And that's a win. There's room for all kinds of new restaurants. There's room for all kinds of new businesses. And then the spin offs and periphery of graphic design this, and I'm a networking here and I do podcasts. There's so much room still because it's growing at a space now that there's, it's creating gaps in like services that you could provide and advertising potentials and reaching these markets and it's not slowing down. So that's encouraging. And I think that that's just like giving entrepreneurs the fuel to like keep going.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny. I had Gary Head on the podcast, who is the founder of of Signature Bank here in Arkansas in Fayetteville, and he was telling the story about how he got so much support from his former bosses at McElroy Bank, which became Arvest, and he was just telling me about how he raised his money to, to start his bank, and he basically went to the community, and the community gave back to him in a huge way, and I just. I've heard that story over and over again. And I'm assuming you've got a lot of support from the community sure. to kind of make Everything. it happen. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that is
2: why we're here. Yeah. Ultimately. Because the community kept showing up. Even when they had a bad meal, like, hey, eh, you know, good days, bad days. Some people, I'm sure, have never returned after a bad meal. And that happens. But ultimately, they kept showing up. They see that this was an important thing to still be here. This is an important thing to have. This festival. This is great. That was not the best sound ever. Next year, better sound, better food, better place, better venue. The seats are more comfortable, everything. We care to pay attention to those nuances and keep investing our thought into it to make it better. And the community is throwing us a theoretical high five and like, yes, we want this here. And that when we hear people say this is our festival, nothing feels better because then it's like it's showing they're showing up for it. They have a vent, you know, ventris, uh, interest in just the their heart and their soul. And when everybody you're at, at an event has that collective consciousness around them, they're happy to be here. They're proud of it. It's their festival. The vibe is elevated. You can't fake that. That's so authentic, right there. You can't buy and just tell everybody before they come in, like, Randy, get excited, right? And you have yourself a great time and <laughs> really turn it up. And, you, know, yeah. you can't. It's like they have to do that their own. <laughs> right. And that vibe is created at the end of a, for an encore. For the, the hugs you get in the field or whatever, there's no fake in that. Yeah, and that's that's our community showing up.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So let's pivot a little and talk just a little bit about before we close. Just talk a little bit about this whole Roots Festival and how have you been able to amass and I looked at the list. I was I just went back through it again of all the different artists and some I had never heard of and others I have and then of course all the James Beard Award winners that are going to be in town and I mean how how were you able to assemble all that? I mean, I know that that just didn't happen overnight and it is, you've been building momentum, but I mean, what what have you, I mean, talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um, dumb luck, Randy. No. Um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a combination of finger on the pulse, yep. seeing what's happening out there,
0: mm-hmm.
2: asking for help, which is, that's a tool in the tool bag that everybody should get one of, right. which is like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Be humble, you know. So with that, with the music in general, so it takes it takes a little time to like you get an artist and you get to and after a couple of years, you've worked with lots of agencies and lots of artists, and if everything was going well and they got paid, obviously, and they were treated well and the food was good, backstage, and this was a nice town. Well, they tell their musician friends and their uh-huh. agents. So for long, your reputation's moving through the scene, my partner Brian and his wife Bernice. They are musicians. So they're out there touring with musicians and meeting them as well and going to conventions and things to like network. Ultimately, though, it's when they come here and they see our town and our our, one of our slogans is a mountain town in its natural state. Right. I like that. So it is that it's like you come here and we don't. This is what Fayetteville looks like. That's the food you're seeing. That's from here. This is how these are people from here. Now we do have people from like 28 states that come on the on the regular each year but um ultimately and some internationally right yeah, Yeah. yeah not as many as maybe someday anyway right so i think over time that's how that reputation well the same thing's been happening in the chef world is we had a we had a chef we had two we had eight this year there's i think 20 plus visiting chefs and over 50 or 60 total from around the region so the word spread like go if you're ever invited go it's a great time they take care of you the food's great. And the people, the community, they're there again. They show up, they look you in the eyes and they'll talk to you and ask you questions and they'll appreciate what you're doing. And for an artist, that's all you want. You know, you're not getting rich here, right? But you just want to be heard and you want to be seen and you want to be validated that like, just try my thing, you know, listen, dude, the, you know. So ultimately I feel like that just being that we're an artist driven and managed event, the musician and a chef mind. It's just it's not it's the line items are different. The budget looks different. What we care to like put out there on a plate and on a stage is just is different because it's being driven by us and not you
0: know get in
2: trouble there. Yeah. Not- no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I got you. Trim that one.
0: <laughs> well, no. Well, for those that um, that are listening to this podcast before the end of August of 2019, they. The Roots Festival event will be held the 21st through the 25th. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And then you can find out more about the Roots Fest at therootsfest.org. It's just all one word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And we'll put all those notes and information in the show notes and and how you can reach out to Jeremy once you come to the event and um, tell him or virtually high five him and tell him how much you liked it and and enjoyed it. So so. what's next on the plate for you? What do you... uh, what do you want to conquer next? I mean, I, and, and I know that's a loaded question, but I mean, you've kind of gotten bit by the bug of- uh, Oh, for sure. You know, so it's like, what? You, I'm sure you're thinking, oh, okay, we, we've got to do something else. And it's not so much something that's got to be bigger and better than the last thing, but-
2: No, it isn't. I want to conquer um, vacation okay, yeah, with my kids. We attempted a, a vacation to California with all all four- And it was wonderful and challenging and everything. And it's like, okay, more of this. We need to be able to like stretch our legs and Sherpa up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) New shirt I'm going to make when I vacation. Yeah. Sherpa. And uh, yeah, more more time with family. I think as far as like the diversification of the portfolio of what we're doing, I know there'll be more food exploration and concepts that come as the growth happens. This festival and our production, I think that we're going to see growth, more year round programming here at the HQ and the Geisinger building with momentum, it can be dangerous with momentum. You can like, you could flail around, not know what to do with it, move too fast. So luckily I think with some experience and having the bug bitten, there's also a level of patience Yeah, and to do things right and be calculated with movements and then find those community wins. It's not just like, we need to have a, this kind of event now just because we have all this momentum and Capabilities and experience, it's fine-tuning what we do. So next year's chef lineup, next year's musical lineup, what experiences you know it's, it's evolving from last year. Not in a bigger way. There's some bigger names, but actually there's a few less tasting stations because these are different and a little bit more curated. Yeah. So I think it's just a fine-tuning of the sound because there's not going to be making more of me. Right. right. And uh, as we all know, time's flying.
0: Exactly. And you know, as I sit here and think. I'm sure that folks that started the Newport Jazz Festival never thought it would take off the way that it did in nope. multiple decades. It's a legacy, later, now, yeah, it yeah. is Montreux. I mean, all anything like that is, you know, it can take on a life of its own, and you could look at it, and, and you know, we could be laughing 30 years from now as your kids are running it. You know, I mean, it could be anything. So or some, yeah, and I, I think that's a that's really a takeaway
2: for me is uh, by again by putting yourself out there and doing stuff is you're going to have lots of. Paths and careers in your life. If some people, some have one, yeah. But but even talking with you earlier, you can be and do lots of things, absolutely, and that's exciting for me. So, what's next? I don't know, but I know there's going to be some a fork in the road, and I might take both paths, and there'll be new things to do because it's exciting to think about that for me.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you one hundred percent. And like we were saying earlier, I mean, I if you had asked me even just a year ago, six years ago, if you had said you'd be living in Fayetteville, I would have said, get the you know what out of here. One year ago, if you'd said, you're going to be doing a podcast about all things Northwest Arkansas, I'd be like, no, I don't think so, but here I am. So you never say never and you just, you know, you got to go with the flows of life. So that's a good place for us to end. And as we're ending, and I, I hate to put you on the spot here because you own a restaurant. And one of the things that we typically ask our guests, where do you go to eat and hang out when you aren't working and doing all the amazing things that you're doing? And certainly Woodstone would be would be totally acceptable as, as, <laughs> well, as I'm place. there plenty. <laughs> right. Um, but.
2: In Fayetteville, some of my favorite spots would be like our Sega's minis and Cona grill and Meiji. Those are really fun, diverse places, great people, mm-hmm. super tasty. And if I move outside of Fayetteville and I'm lucky enough to land in Rogers, I'm going to hit up Persephone on wheels mm-hmm. at the Fox trail distillery, sidewalk. And soon I'll be able to visit my friend Jason at the heirloom as soon as I can get there. Yeah. And then in Bentonville, they're, just, you know, they're just, there's so many in Bentonville, but they're doing great work and I'm not there enough. And when I, there, I try and like bounce around and see all, you know, all of our friends and all the chef friends. And, uh, did
0: you get up to bite NWA at all? We did bite on the okay. second night. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's that was a, fun. That was my first what, time doing a, it.
2: It's a, <laughs> to me, it was like, Hey, I saw, I saw a bunch of you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I had to see you here yeah. where everyone came to one spot, but ultimately there was lots of, uh, lots of high fives there. So, um, you know, we're, we're real fortunate to live in a, a Northwest Arkansas quote unquote Metro growing area that has at least the arts and culinary and music scene it does for our 500,000 or whatever the population is, because there's plenty of five hundred. Thousand population metros in the country that don't, don't have, have that. It. Yeah, so absolutely. it's like, go support them. Yeah. Here's my plug go eat some local restaurants. Tell the chef they did good work. Yeah. You know, throw those high fives around because it means a lot. And we got to keep supporting these things
0: so that we can keep them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And when you're not doing anything food related or music related, how do you? you buy the time. Do you get out and go to the Buffalo river or what do you, what do you, I, more of that would be great. So that's back to that vacationing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, it's a, uh, you know, it's, uh, and, and yeah. you've got four kids. So yeah, yeah. So I, got family. Four. I know the, yeah. I know the
0: situation. I think so. it's,
2: it's the family, everything. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the rest of the time is gobbled up there for better or worse. They love me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all you can ask and I for. Love them, so. yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Well, man, I, Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on this podcast, especially with all that's on your plate right now. As I as I look through this room, and there's, I mean, is that a mandolin over there? No, yeah, we so. got a bunch of. Oh yeah, there's there's just antique instruments everywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's you've got a little <laughs> bit of everything in here, and and uh, you've got your your MacBook out. Just you know, I know you've got a lot of work to get back to, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast, and it means the world to me every time I get. To sit down with anyone here in Northwest Arkansas because you're just, you further prove the point that there's just some amazing people here in this area. Not that there aren't in other parts of the country, but hey, you got to highlight where you are. So, well, thank you. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate having you, and hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to continue this conversation. I will, at some point in time after the Roots Festival, which I've actually volunteered to help out at. I will give my thoughts and some additional feedback on the event in a later episode. So I'll be sure to share that with you and with your audience. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks Randy. Appreciate it. Folks, there you have it. Jeremy Gothrop, he is the man. If you want some great, amazing pizza, he's got two locations at Woodstone, uptown, right downtown as well. And also if you're in or around the Northwest Arkansas area, August 21st through 25th of twenty-nineteen. You've got to check out the Fayetteville Roots Festival. It will be amazing. Just visit therootsfest.org. And even if it's after that date, check out the dates for next year so you can book your tickets for it, mark it on the calendar so that you can be a part of what Jeremy's talking about and what he's doing here and the and the change that he's making right here in Northwest Arkansas. So listen, I appreciate you taking time out. I know that you could be doing a lot of different things, but you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. So I really appreciate it. Whether you're out on a run, whether you're commuting to work or whatever you're doing, we appreciate you taking time out to listen to I Am Northwest Arkansas. You can check us out wherever fine podcasts can be found. And if you get a chance, we would love for you to give us a review. A five-star review would be great, but just give us a review. Nonetheless, let us know how we're doing. If we're not doing well, let us know that too, so that we can improve. We can only do that with your feedback. So that's it. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will see you next week.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit I Am Northwest We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.